The Pokes Report podcast is sponsored by Stillwater Barber Company, located at 609 South Main Street, right here in Stillwater. Randall and Joe are serving up the best haircuts in town, which includes regular haircuts and skin and razor fades, as well as shaves and beard care and trims. The beard care includes a wonderful blend of beard balm, beard oil, and just a little bit of steam to bring it all together. And as always, shampoo and conditioners are two for $20, and I can vouch for the shampoo because that's what I've been using for the past several months. It's a wonderful tea tree oil shampoo paraben and sulfate free that leaves your hair and scalp squeaky clean and smelling great and as always you can find blue roaming around the shop so give them a call at 405-269-8590 or you can check them out at stillwaterbarber.co to book an appointment today Welcome to the Pokes Report Podcast. Zach Lancaster here alongside Brian Murphy. Well, not technically alongside. Uh, we're together in spirit today. Digitally alongside. That's right. Brian's out. Uh, he's out making money. He's out working. He's doing more than me. And uh, and so we decided, to, uh, we decided to go Zoom. So we can still bring you a product. Bring the people what they want. And that's Bedlam coverage. That's... A that's quick, right. That's I've, a, I've already had text messages this morning. Sure. I'm assuming you're going to probably get this out probably day of, so we'll say it's Friday. Normally we try to. Uh, try this to, uh, so it's ten forty eight in the morning. Yeah. Uh, let's say we go. Let's say we go. Let's just round about forty minutes, right? Okay. Uh, this will be out before one o'clock. All right. So I've already had texts this morning. Yeah. The people are clamoring. Yeah. Zach. The clamoring for for your thoughts on the game. My thoughts on the game. Oh, oh yeah, your thoughts. They're like, what does Zach think about the game? Zach doesn't so know what he thinks about the game. <laughs> let's just let me just throw that out there. Zach doesn't know what he thinks about this game. This is it's you and I were talking yesterday, and I know you've said it on air. Mm-hmm. This is the Bedlam, especially in the last ten years. You can kind of just throw records out the, you know, the each team's records out the window. It's nobody knows what's going to happen during the game. It could as easily be a blowout as it could be a double overtime game. Yeah. And it could be amazing football and it could be awful football. <laughs> you know, and the funny thing is, I think ABC is banking on it being a close game yeah. by them putting it at 630. And also, there's a lot of storyline there with it being potentially one of the last bedlams uh, with OU going to the SEC. Yeah, and and so what's interesting about what you just said there, um, yeah, I've talked about that all week. You and I, we were on the phone for about 20, 30 minutes the other day, uh, and it, it doesn't matter. I mean, OU's 5-5 five and five looking to get bowl eligible. Oklahoma State not having the season they expected to have, but they're coming off a win. They're 7-3. and three. They're ranked 22 in the CFP, um, and, and I – was pretty happy after the Iowa State game. Not not in the sense, okay, well, they won a good game. That was a good game for them to no, they didn't they didn't beat a good opponent. You know, they they scored on a really good defense. I mean that's good. But I was happy in the sense that it was a confidence booster. They it seems like they finally fixed some stuff. You know, you had a really, really bad week in Manhattan. You had a probably a worse week. Uh, although, I mean, it, it's it's weird to try to differentiate between a fifty or a uh, was it forty eight or forty eight nothing blowout or whatever the Kansas State game was. I've already put that out, but you, it, it's hard to differentiate between a, a a complete blowout shutout and getting beat by a backup quarterback at Kansas. 
You know, and I know that Jason Bean is has experience and he's figured some stuff out, but I, I would venture to say that was a that was a bad loss. I mean, obviously you didn't have Spencer, so you can you can splice you know you can splice it any way you want, but you come back and you win a good game against Iowa State because you were able to able to move the ball against a uh, against a really good defense. Excuse me, got a little something caught in my throat. Uh, and the defense was able to bounce back. I mean, you look at the two games in Kansas. Uh, gave up over almost 1,100 yards. You gave up 550 on the ground. You know, I mean, you it, it was it was rough. And then you look at that fourth quarter against Iowa State, and it was so impressive, right? I mean, you forced five turnovers over the course of the game. You record four sacks there in the in the in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was it was electric. It was it was huge. And then on the other side of things, you've got OU. Who's coming off a twenty to three loss, or excuse me, a twenty three to twenty loss to West Virginia? It's the first time they've ever lost in Morgantown. The week before that, they get beat thirty eight thirty five at home to Baylor. Baylor's not the team we thought they would be, and so you're you got a team that's coming off a a very. I know that there's no moral victories in sports, but you got a team coming off a really big moral win, right? You got a team that is has buckled down, it's figured it out, it's it's defense is riding high. You know you're going to have Spencer Sanders back. He, you know, he came out after the first of all he came in the game and it was like an immediate calming presence over the offense, over the defense. He said after the game he's too competitive for that blank that he's playing in Bedlam. You know, I know Mike on Monday said that they're going to play this like they would everything else. You know, they're going to reevaluate, but I, I would find it really, really hard to keep Spencer off that field. But and then on the other side, you got an OU that's they're looking to get bowl eligible. They're five and five. They have not had the season they expected. I think you'd be foolish to sit there and say that OU was going to have a really good year. But I don't, I don't know if I anticipated them being five and five going into Bedlam. You can throw. You can throw all of that out the window. It doesn't matter where OSU is. It doesn't matter how high they are right now. It doesn't matter how good that defense was in the fourth quarter, and it doesn't matter how bad OU was last week. It doesn't matter that they got beat by a horrible West Virginia team in Morgantown. Like I told you, whatever day that was, Monday, or Tuesday or Wednesday, this game very well could be 74, 73, it could go to five overtimes, or on the flip side, it could be tw- it could be twenty four twenty one, and it and it could just be a knockdown drag out uh, field goal at the end to win it. You know, I mean, it's it, it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter records, it doesn't matter good, it doesn't matter bad, it doesn't matter if it's in Norman uh, because that I'm a little surprised at how how big the spread is. You know, OU opens up at, a, at like one touchdown favorite. It's, it might have gone up. I haven't checked it since the other day, but. That it doesn't matter how bad OU is this year. That eighty thousand, and I I know that it'll probably be over capacity. Norman is a difference maker. You know that that stadium is a difference maker. That fan base is a difference maker. So um, it'll be interesting. I, I this is this this has all the makings of being one of the best games we've seen from Oklahoma State this year. And I don't mean in terms of performance. I mean just mean in terms of uh, excitability. And that's saying a lot because you had a you had a big comeback against Texas. You had to come back against Texas Tech. You know you've had a lot of really exciting ball games, and and Oklahoma State has a legitimate chance of going into Norman and winning this weekend. And so it's it's gonna. I think I think this has a chance to be one of the better games we've seen from from a competitive standpoint uh, from both sides. So Doug Shivers put on Twitter 
a photo from 1997 mm-hmm. um, of Oklahoma State fans <laughs> rushing the field in Norman after a win. OSU, uh, all their losses this year, the opponents have rushed the field. So to take from like Dean and John Holcomb, what percentage chance do you think uh, the winner of the game's fans rushed the field in Norman this weekend? Okay, so you can go back to Iowa State last year. And I think it's every road game, or like four out of five or five out of six road games, the fans had stormed the field. Iowa State stormed last year. Um, you had TCU this year, Kansas State, Kansas. Um, and then I think going, it was Texas Tech didn't. I think that was the that was the road game that didn't. Yeah. Uh, or West Virginia, or so I don't know well, something like yeah, that. I was gonna say it wasn't Tech. But it was like four out of it's like four out of five or five out of six or something crazy like that. Um, and I pose funny. it to you: you've got a five and five OU team trying to get bowl eligible. You got a ranked Oklahoma State team. If OU wins, does does OU storm the field? I don't know. I mean, I their fan needs their fan needs a uh, win. They're like the the storm. They're like the storm the field police. On every other uh, every other opponent, which you know, would make it poetic that they, that they play, it would. But I really hope to not see that. Now, the I don't know that in in twenty twenty two that happened in nineteen ninety seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, way back in the day, the fans of the World Series champion would storm the field when Hank Aaron hit hit uh, number seven. Yeah, uh, what was it? Seven fifteen. Uh, there was fans on the field. I think we're in a different era now, so I don't know in 2022 if uh, if OSU fans would storm, would be allowed to storm if there's enough that could even get past security that'll be down there. That'll be interested also to see how much orange is in the stands this year. I've had a lot of friends that are asking, are you going to the game? You know, OSU has a big chance. I mean, and, and the answer to that is, heck no. I have been to Norman for Bedlam before. I sat in the student section. I was re- I was wearing orange. My brother was uh, – he was a sophomore maybe down there, was begging me to come down there. It was – I want to say it was like Mike Gundy's first year. We got annihilated. Uh, Adrian Peterson uh, ran his way uh, to the NFL that day, and I think he had – he had over 200 yards, and and uh, so I have I have been to Norman for Bedlam. I'm good, but there should be there should be a a, a good bit of orange down there because fo- both fan bases right now are making all the excuses for why their team won't win. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those years where you know, and and I get OU side. Yeah, they've lost five. They've lost five games this year. They're five and five, and and how beautiful it would be if we could win, and then and then Tech could win, and and they finish five and seven. I think half of their fan base wants that because they're like, we don't deserve to go to a bowl, and I'm happy to help them in in being happy there that they don't go to a bowl. But the other half, you know, well, they want those extra fifteen practices, and then those are a big deal. OSU went through that. Golly, in the mm-hmm. early Gundy days, he talked about the um, the importance of those 15 practices because you rest all your starters. You know, you're resting your – you're essentially resting your two deep yeah. for the first 10 practices. Yeah. And I know Robert has talked about it forever on, on his radio show as well that, uh, you know, you're you're playing all the freshmen in practice. They get, they get the coaching. They get the film time. And the starters get to rest, you know, ahead of the trip. And then once you make – 
the trip to the bowl site, that's when the starters get back in there. So I know it's been huge in our development, um, but to heck with OU and their 15 extra practices, I'd just assume they don't make a bowl game. Well, and you think about, you know, we'll just, when you just kind of keep in that same vein, when you look this year, you know, I don't know if you listened to Robert's show, uh, would have been yesterday or I think it was Wednesday, Wednesday, uh, of the of the two deep starters in all three phases, Oklahoma State's had it's like thirty eight injuries, or something like that on the on the two deep. It, it was wow. insane. And so when you when you look at that, when you look at all the youth and inexperience it's had to play this year, you tack on another. And, and Oklahoma State's going to have it. You know, they're they very easily could finish this season with eight nine wins. You know, they're at seven now. You've got two games left. You're you're looking at finishing the regular season eight or nine wins. So they, they were already going to get the extra 15 practices. But when you when you look at that youth and experience and you give those guys an additional 15 practices going into spring football, I mean, that's huge. Because a lot of these guys are going to have to play next year uh, because you're losing, some, you're losing a lot of top-end talent, uh, juniors and seniors to the draft and graduation. So they're going to have to play anyway. So this, this is a big game. I, I think when you look at – when you look at overall, just kind of the comparison of things, when you look at um, – when you look at Oklahoma State on, let's just start with offense. When you look at uh, when you look at what OU's done on the defensive side of the ball, they've struggled. You know, I mean their their defense has given up two hundred yards a, a two hundred yards a game. Uh, they're giving up now de- uh, passing. They're a little bit better. They're giving up two hundred and thirty two, which is seventy sixth in the FBS. Um, scoring defense, they're not great. They're a little better than OSU. Uh, they're ninety fourth. Oklahoma State's one hundredth in scoring defense. Uh, they're giving up 29 points a game. So, it's, so you're telling me to call Vegas and take the over. That's I, what you're telling me. I would probably take the – because, well, hell, just go through any Bedlam game. I mean, even last year, right? And 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 OSU had a really, really good defense, you know, and that was a that was a pretty tight ball game. So I don't think it matters how good or how bad the defense is. That's what I was saying, like, earlier. When you look at the OSU's defensive performance in the fourth quarter, I'm not saying that these defenses are just going to just turn to absolute screen doors. But I think that the history of this series will tell you uh, it's probably going to be a high-scoring game. Maybe, maybe not as facetious as I was earlier, you know, seventy-four, seventy-three, or anything like that. But I, I could see this being a, a you know, forty-five, thirty-eight game. You know, I could see this being in the mid to upper thirties, both okay. sides, kind of like yeah. last year. I don't think it'll be a. I don't. I don't think it'll be seventeen fourteen. You know, but I. I don't think I'd be surprised. I don't think I'd be surprised with any result. You know, I would be surprised if Oklahoma State doesn't score. You know, because this isn't. This isn't a Kansas State defense that they're going up against. I know the offensive line has not been great this year. I, they started the year, and and you can go back to earlier podcasts. They started the year and were good. You know, I mean, they they held their own against a really good Baylor defensive line. You know, and I, I thought, well, that's that's huge. You know, and they kind of held their own against Texas Tech. They've got some pretty good uh, defensive players that's probably going to play in the league the next couple of years, and then it all kind of went to mush. You know, you're dealing with injuries, you're dealing with schemes, you can't move the ball. Uh, so, I'm, but I'm not. I don't. I think that they'll probably. I don't know if you're going to get as calm as we saw in the fourth quarter when Spencer came in, but I don't think it's just going to be atrocious. But Baylor, or excuse me, Oklahoma, Oklahoma does have a good defensive line. 
You know, so I, I think they'll cause some problems, but I think Spencer will be able to move the ball. I don't I don't think you're gonna see a Kansas State performance. So I think that would surprise me. But anything else? Prob probably not, no. So I'm gonna kinda break this into into as far as the OU, I'm gonna break this into two two sections here. I'm gonna start with what I what I don't like about the game, okay. uh, our, our matchups, our chances, and then I'll finish because I like to finish on a positive note. I'm going to finish with what I do like. You're a positive What I don't person. like is – thank you. You're welcome. What I don't like is I don't like Eric Gray versus our kind of porous run defense. Um, Eric Gray is kind of – he pretty much lost the game for OU last year on that fumble, on that punt return. Yeah. Didn't, wasn't he the one that, that – Dropped it down there on the five. I think so. And then we scored. Yeah. So he's got the chip on his shoulder, and he's he's averaging over a hundred yards a game. He's very talented. He's very fast. Um, so us trying to stop, you, you have to pick one to 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 stop. You're not going to pick pass and run. I mean, unless you perfectly pick them, you're going to have to stop something. So you either have to stop Eric Gray, and then let Dylan Gabriel try and pick you apart, which. He did really well at UCF. He hasn't done as well at OU. So, I mean, he has 16 touchdowns, only four picks, uh, completing about 64% of his passes. So, he he will also take a bunch of deep shots. Yeah. He loves airing it out. And against a young secondary, granted, Kendall Daniels, uh, OSU this week, just put out all of his numbers uh, versus other freshmen uh, you know, they're kind of hyping him as, as a defensive freshman of the year, especially in the conference, uh, but then also defensive All-American. And I think he I think he should be, um, especially based on the ranks of his numbers. But uh, um, you're still talking about a freshman. And I'm sure Jeff Levy has some things that he hasn't shown. Uh, all these guys do. Jeff Levy's been an offensive coordinator for a long time. And... Um, didn't, I think he came up through the Baylor system and that's a, that's a spread everything out and make you win one-on-one -on -one battles on defense. And, you know, other five other times this year, people have done that. So it's doable. It's just, it's, it's a, a confidence in our defense right now. Isn't the highest for me. I mean, we did, we did fine against Iowa state. This is light years better offense that we're facing this week. And so that's those are kind of the two things, their offense versus our defense, that I'd say I'm interested to see how those play out early. Um, last year was one of those, well, just get to halftime and we'll make adjustments. This year hasn't exactly been that, um, not all year long. And so, you know, Eric Gray versus our, def our run defense – and Gabriel going over the top, I, they're going to have some success. It's just do those successes turn into touchdowns? Well, if I mean, they do, then then we're in trouble. Well, and, I mean, if they don't. You and I, we, right. we talked about it before we went on. You know, I mean, they're, they're despite their their struggles the past couple of weeks, they're putting up four hundred and fifty six yards a game. You know, and their rush offense is two hundred and twenty one yards a game. Oklahoma State has really struggled against an offense that can move the ball. Just, I mean, look at Kansas. I don't know if anyone expected Devin Neal to do what he did, but he's going to be really good. And then I, I don't have to remind you about Deuce Vaughn. So, I mean, when when you're going up against a really good running game, which OU appears to have, we'll, we'll see what happens Saturday night. But 
Oklahoma State has struggled, you know, and that's that. It's one of the more confusing things, especially with the defensive line, with how you know, with how much talent they have. I know that Tyler Lacey's been injured. I know that you lost Brendan Evers, but you've got enough talent across that line, and it just it it hasn't made a lot of sense. So that's I, I agree with you. I, I think that's probably going to be, yeah, Dylan Gabriel can hurt you, but if if they're going to beat you on the ground, then that obviously opened things up for the air. Well, and. and- the thing I don't like, our offense versus their defense has nothing to do with them. It's, you know, their their defense is giving up 200 yards, as you said, 200 yards per game. If we can't get 140 yards rushing, then we're going to really struggle. You can't put, against OU, you can't put Spencer Sanders in a one-dimensional, he's only throwing mm-hmm. situation. Um, you know, well, even bad point, defenses can, can get lucky there. Say again. At at this point, I'll just take a hundred yards. I mean, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I, <laughs> yeah. you, you you need to be able to move the ball, and that's something that we talked about, you know, ad nauseum the past several weeks. But at, at this, I mean, you've had what is it two two or three straight games where you're putting up less than sixty yards on the ground. I mean, at, at this point, yeah. and, and that's what's – and I know that Spencer hadn't played – you know, he, he played at Kansas State, but nothing went right. No, and you couldn't move the ball at all. He didn't play at Kansas, you know, and he had a couple of yards on the ground against against Iowa State, but you've got to be able to move the ball. You know, I you've, Dominic Richardson is, is good enough to be able to go out there. You have to be able to scheme. You need to, you need to figure some stuff out, you know. And Ollie Gordon – is is coming along, you know, Jaden Nixon is figuring it out. I mean, you you have enough talent. You, you, you don't have a Jalen Warren. I mean, that's that's evident. You don't have a Jalen. You don't have a Chuba. You don't have a Justice Hill. But you do have enough talent back there. You have enough experience back there. And now you have Spencer back. I don't think you're going to send him out there 24 times a game to run the ball. But you have enough back there that you should be able to average more than a yard and a half a carry and put up a hundred yards. Yeah. Well, and, and you have to kind of almost take a page from their playbook. You have to spread OU out. When you, when teams spread OU out, OU has trouble winning those one-on-ones. They have talented players and they're big and fast. And so if you shorten the field, you're making it a lot easier for them. We have to spread them out. If we spread, if we go out there and we start seeing receivers outside both numbers, and we're still running the ball. I think we have we have a much better chance of success um, than if we're shortening and we've got receivers inside the numbers and we're only running to one half of the field. I haven't liked that the last few games, and they they continue to do it. So hopefully Casey has a different game plan versus OU. Now we should be getting healthier. Yeah. I hope that. Do you have any Preston Wilson? Are I, we on track to have our starting center I, back? I mean, I, I know that know. as soon as he has gone out there, he's come out of games. Because once you roll an ankle, especially a bad roll, it's so easy for those for it to slip and roll again. But, um, you know, so this should be game number it's either four or five for Eli Russ at, at, uh, at center. Yeah. And uh, is it Materko? Mahalski. Mahalski. That is, that they've, you know, so those guys have been getting in there. Um, Materko's been at, at guard, so you're I kind would, of getting a. I would think Mahalski is going to play. I don't know about center, but I would think Mahalski plays because that's who we talked to on Tuesday. That's kind of a who okay. who we get to talk to on Tuesdays is kind of an indication. I'm not saying that Preston Wilson will not okay. play. I don't know, 
but we we did talk to Mahalski. So, mm-hmm. okay, well, and you know, I think that the I'd be interested, you know, if if you could talk to Gundy and and really maybe like after the year and get a okay, what was the the injury and what was the kind of the plan mm-hmm. for Spencer? I think the plan all along has been for him to come back and play against OU. I think the two games, the Kansas, the uh, Iowa State games were planned not before the year, but once the injury happened, were kind of planned that, hey, we're going to roll with our backup, and if we can't beat those teams with our backup, then, you know, we've got bigger issues, and and that may have showed that that we do. Um, I think that it was interesting that, uh, that Gundy said in his press conference, he went to Spencer, I think, uh, to say, hey, you know, you're going in, and, and Spencer said in his uh, press conference uh, with the reporters after the game that he went to Gundy and said, hey, if you want me, I can go in, yeah. you know, and that's what the leader of the offense should be doing uh, when they see it struggling out there, and you're going, I mean, he is he is competitive, uh, he is tough as nails, and it was kind of one of those, as soon as he released that first ball, everybody in our section was going, Wait, if he could do that, why wasn't he starting? The the plan was to not get him hit Absolutely. today or Saturday to have him ready for uh for OU. In I, my opinion. That that's what I think was the deal. So I don't know if he could have played at KU. I, I think that the the I I would agree with your sentiment in that let's get him ready for Bedlam depending on how severe this injury is because there was a lot of concern I mean not just amongst fan base but you know the media and and after he took that hit at, at k-state you know he was he was in and out of the locker room before the game was even over you know so I think the I think the thought was if we if he can go let's rest him let's get him ready for bedlam I I don't think he would have been able to play at ku I know he suited up you know or well pseudo suited up um but I, I think the plan was always to have him on the on the sidelines. And then when you look at Iowa State, that I think that was one of the more frustrating things, uh, reading on Twitter or Facebook. Well, if he could come in and do that in the fourth quarter, why would you not start him? Why why would you start him? Because if you can if you can get enough from your backups, which was which was Gunner, we found out uh game time decision, Garrett was pretty banged up. Took the he took a shot at KU uh and and Credit to that young kid for toughing it out in Lawrence. You know, if it was if it was as bad to keep him out of the the Iowa State game, kudos to him. But the if you could get enough from Gunner to win that ball game, which it ended up not being. You know, Gunner is he's still incredibly young, and that's a really really good defense, right? I mean, I Iowa State probably has a top five defense, top ten defense in the country. They're incredible, and so the the plan was let's rest Spencer because we don't want to get him hit. He's obviously good, and he was obviously good enough to go. So they knew that going in that he could have played. But if you could get him another game day where he's not playing, you get him another week of practice going into uh, going into Bedlam, then he's obviously going to be healthy. He comes out there that first drive is funny. I asked him after the game. You know, he he the first play was a was a was a run to the right where he gets hit pretty good, and I don't know if he lost yards or picked up a yard or whatever, but it was right around the line of scrimmage, and he jumps up. He took a pretty good shot. He jumps up, had a big smile on his face, and they ultimately end up going three and out with a punt. But I asked him after the game. I said, Spencer, you took a pretty good shot there on that first run, uh, but you jumped up smiling. Was that you know was that you going? Okay, I took a hit. I'm okay. I feel good. I'm happy. Let's keep going. And he said, no, I made the wrong read. I was laughing at myself. Uh, and so 
<laughs> but then he comes out in that next drive, and you immediately saw the calming presence. The offensive line blocked better. The The run game worked a little bit with him. Obviously, the receivers ran better routes. And I and what was so important, and, and I think what's going to be huge for this OU game is that, you know, you go back to Kansas State, you go back to Kansas, and Mike's been asked, do you prepare for two different quarterbacks? Because you could have Adrian Martinez, you could have Will Howard, you could have Jason Bean, you could have Jalen Daniels. You know, do you prepare for two different styles of quarterbacks? And he goes, no, I, we just, you just have to send your defense out there. I mean, you, you prepare for how you prepare, and that's, that's pretty much it. That touchdown pass to Jaden Nixon shows that defenses have to prepare for two different style of quarterbacks because as soon as Spencer broke to the right – everybody converged on Spencer. And he just kind of pulled up and popped over the top to a wide-open Jaden Nixon in the corner of the end zone. So Spencer brings a totally different dynamic. He can't do it all on his own. You obviously need the offensive line to figure it out. You need the run game to figure it out. You got Like you said, you got to be able to spread them out to try to try to open up some some lanes for that offense. But there's no question that a healthy spin and, – and I, I look at – I think I talked to you about it. You look at the TCU and Texas game. You had a banged-up performance against TCU. You could tell something was wrong. And he goes out there against Texas and and has one of his best performances. Throws for almost 400 yards. Was just electric. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and throw for almost 400 yards against OU. But you see the type of impact that he can have against a pretty solid team. So uh, Spencer makes all the difference in the world. I, I think that... If you were having, and I don't, I'm not trying to take shots, so I'm, I don't take the, the people listening, don't take this the wrong way. I don't, it, but if you had Garrett or Gunner in this, it, having to play in this game, I wouldn't be near, and I'm not trying to say that I'm confident that OSU will win this game. I think OSU has a really good chance to win this game, but I think that confidence level drops a few levels if you have to start Garrett or Gunner rather than Spencer, and that's with any game. Sure. Yeah, that's no doubt. I mean, you're talking a fifth-year senior versus a fifth game yeah. that they've been in. Yeah, no no doubt. And I think that OSU has to, you know, OU is very heavy on Marvin Mims. Um, As they should. Uh, he, yeah, he, has, he has a third. He has 33%, little little less, 30% of the completions for the whole team uh, versus OSU where it's, You've got Bryson Green. Uh, Brennan has the most completions than John Paul, than Bryson Green, uh, and they're all above 35 uh, completions. And Mims is the only one for them, and he's at 50. So, you know, you've got to you've got to minimize him. You also can't. He's very dangerous in punt game, uh, punt return. You cannot give it to him in the middle of the field. You're in trouble if you do. Um, so Logan Ward's going to have his work cut out for him. To me, punt it out of bounds, dude. Yeah. Get it to the sideline or or first row of the stands. Yeah, because I don't want that dude touching the ball with with blockers. Uh, so, have you um, have, and, uh, have you gone back to uh, twenty nineteen? I think is what it is, and uh, watch Garrett sophomore Garrett Rangel film with uh, with. I cannot say that I have ahead of Fris- Frisco Frisco Lone Star uh, twenty nineteen sophomore Garrett Rangel. Um, Obviously, Marvin Mims is incredibly talented, but having a quarterback like Garrett Rangel in high school, yeah, they were they were teammates, and they they were pretty good, huh? Well, and if if you read the stories, like all you have to do is just search. I I, I looked up 
uh, Marvin Mims, Garrett Rangel, and the first story that pulls up is know the name Garrett Rangel's stock is. Uh, skyrocketed, and the first uh, the line that they show is Rangel quarterback Frisco Lone Star to a fourteen one record as a sophomore and helped Marvin Mims set a national receiving record. So I, I, I wonder if there's going to be a, a little meeting there at uh, at at half at half uh, midfield because there's no question. I mean they were they were both incredibly talented, and and uh, Frisco Lone Star is the better for the pair of them. And then obviously Jaden Nixon. Yeah, and no doubt. Jaden Nixon, you throw him into the mix as well. That can you imagine? Goodness. You imagine going up against a Jaden Nixon, Marvin Mims, Garrett Rangel offense in high school? No, I do not envy any of the defensive coordinators that they had to do with with the high school talent that they would have to go against. No question. Good lord. Yeah, I'd be going to the refs pregame and going, "Listen, you're going to see twelve guys on the field a lot. Don't call it." Yeah, just just leave it. There's we, no reason we we have we, we need, need this. <laughs> we need this. That's all I have so. to say. Oh man, yeah, yes. this is a big one. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I think I I'm more surprised with the fact that it's 6:30 on ABC than I am probably anything else this year. And and I and I get it. I mean. You know, Dorado mentioned on Wednesday, he said, this goes to show just how important this rivalry is and how national TV partners view this rivalry. And I get that, but when you look at a struggling Oklahoma State team, when you look at a struggling OU team, I I really anticipated a 230 on FS1. But... I, I think this game here goes to show just how important this this rivalry is. I'm I'm still on the side that they're probably not going to play it for a while, but if a if a seven and three OSU and a five and five OU can get a six thirty primetime on ABC, I I and and it depends on how this game is. If it's a really exciting game and you get a significant number of viewers, I I think you're going to see Oklahoma State leadership kind of get together and, and maybe change their minds a little bit. I, I, I still I still am probably in the camp that they don't play for a while, but this game could go a long ways to renewing this rivalry. I, 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 do, I do believe. It, it could. I still – I don't think that um, – I, I think all of the – OSU doesn't have the desire to play this game, I think is absolutely correct. No question. I mean, I'm not what, saying that's wrong. You know, what we could uh, – I, I would be just as happy to see them in a bowl game somewhere and go play them and, uh, in the Sugar Bowl, go play them somewhere else than sure. that, than somewhere around here as a non-conference game. Um, I get that. I, and, and that's, I, that's the camp of mine. And I'm in. The, the further the, – like the further away from the decision we get, the more I, I start to lean towards what Robert had to say. I mean, if – if you get Fox and ESPN and they get together and they say, "Listen, this is this is," and this year is is evident is evidence of that. It's proof. Six thirty on ABC. Two struggling teams. But if you know when OU decides to go to the SEC, let's say they let's say they ride it out. Let's say they don't go until the end of twenty five. That's three years to kind of smooth things, or I guess two years. That's two years to smooth things over. That's two years to figure things out, and that's two years for Fox and ESPN to get together with your mark and, and leadership and say, listen, look at the numbers that this game has pulled. I know that you guys don't want to play it, but this will you know, this is a, we'll say, $15 million game. 
you know, this we can we can set this thing up and and we'll figure out a way to to split revenue. And this game is too important. There's too many millions of viewers on these games for for us not to have. And and I, I if uh, it's like Robert said, if Fox and ESPN showed up and and laid out some numbers to the Big Twelve and to OSU and OU and said we'll pay fifteen million dollars for this game. I think it would be hard for Oklahoma State to say no. I don't think. I don't think so. I think we'll just. I think we'll just ride this one out. I, I think they would look at that money and say, eh, "Okay, yeah, okay, that's fine. We'll we'll look into that." Yeah, it it'll be. I mean, but we're smarter long, people we're, that we're see more uh, more of the. Do what? We're we're a long ways off. Yeah. Well, and that has more to do with you got to look at, at Excel spreadsheets with your budgets and your, how does this money affect versus what we would get? Uh, you know, if we were playing whatever their contracts are now, uh, with playing all the, the home and homes with, don't we have Alabama at some point? Yeah. So you've got Alabama, uh, Arkansas, you got Oregon coming up, you've got a Nebraska and those are, those are pretty far off, but you also look at Mm -hmm. the, you also look at the, the renegotiated TV contracts that, that your mark just got. I mean, each Big 12 school is going to get an additional, you know, I, I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but you're going to get at least $10 million more a year than you were, and that's without OU in Texas. So um, it, it'll be, there's a lot that goes into this, a lot that factors into it, but 6.30 on ABC for two struggling teams, I think, is going gonna, is gonna to kind of add to sweeten that pot, that future pot, just a little bit. Well, speaking of your mark, it came out this week that um, that he is really kind of hot and heavy on Gonzaga. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, for, didn't, that didn't go uh, the way basketball Gonzaga wanted, huh? <laughs> no, well, it Goodness. didn't, but you know what uh, Gonzaga, after that game, is ranked in the Ken Palm? What's that? Number five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're still four or five. Um, I saw that, uh, pull it up here, they, uh, that, Ken Palm had sixes one, and they jumped on. They, they, had, they jumped pretty good. They did. Let's see. Got it right here. Houston three, Gonzaga four, Baylor five, Kansas eight. That's a Big Twelve basketball for your ass, right there. Yeah, I mean, I, you know that's what Boynton was telling us when we asked him about four new. The four new teams coming in, he goes, man, they just keep making my job harder. Yeah, and I'm guessing they didn't poll him to ask him if he wants Gonzaga or not. No, we and and that's what's funny is it was after was it after UT Arlington, I think is when it was UT Arlington or uh, I think it was UT Arlington when that came out. Um, and he was just uh, he was like, no, no. Uh, I what worries me is not the fact that Gonzaga could potentially be in the Big 12. What worries me is how Texas beat them. I get that it was in Austin, but I Texas yeah. is going to be an absolute nightmare for for teams this year. They are. And uh and uh, Boynton has his he already has his his uh his, his struggles that he's going to go through this year with this team. I mean, down scholarship guys and and you know some inconsistencies that we've seen so far. I loved what I saw up in Oakland. Um, yeah. I mean, especially coming off the Southern Illinois loss. That I mean that that seemed like a focused team, and maybe they needed a a crazy crowd. I mean, it was a nice crowd. It was a nice uh, showing. Cade um, Cunningham was there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then I think the team must have gone to. 
the Pistons Celtics uh, either the next night or the night before something. I saw pictures of of uh, Marcus Smart with him. So it um, maybe that was maybe that was a type of game that they needed after a bad loss at home. And I'm going to say that you're up ten on anybody in the second half at home, a lower division team. You should put them away. And they couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, they they went cold in the last four minutes. And, you know, you in those times, I would like to see them them lean on Cissé and Caleb Boone in the paint more. Um, if, if your shots aren't falling from outside, lob it up to Cissé. Um, you know, figure it, move the ball around to where you're getting it inside a one-on-one Boone and Cissé are both talented enough with their back to the basket that they can get a decent shot up. And... I think that we are still relying too much on Avery Anderson threes. Um, you know, your your Woody Newtons of the world threes. Get it in those moments. I want Bryce Thompson handling it, and I want Cisse and Boone down on the blocks. Yeah. And you know, Boyne's not going to call me and ask me what uh, how to, how to run his offense, but it just to me, whenever you have those good of bigs or bigs who are that good. You shouldn't have droughts that long anymore. Like last year and the year before that, Cissé wasn't developed. Boone was up and down. So you're going to have those droughts because Bryce Thompson was the offense, the consistent offense. This year, you've got more um, – you have more weapons, more developed weapons. Yeah. And and I don't – I feel like those droughts should lessen. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and I think when – I, I likened it to the Iowa State win for Oklahoma State football because obviously Oakland is not the same Oakland as they were last year. They're not as good as they're not as good of a basketball team, and Oklahoma State took advantage of that. And now you did so against you know you you didn't play a very good UT Arlington. You didn't play a, a really good Southern Illinois team. You were up by thirty one against UT Arlington. Allowed uh, you know the, I think they cut that game to eight or nine. Obviously, you were up double digits against Southern Illinois, like you mentioned. I think it was like four to six minutes left in that game, and you, you gave up the lead. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State shot well from three-point range. It was like 52% in Oakland, which is what they need to do. You've got too many shooters on that team to not. Uh, and I know they it only took 10 free throws, but you shot 90%. You know, and that's, that's incredibly important. It was, a, it was a huge game for John Michael Wright. It was a huge game for, for Caleb Asbury off the bench. You know, Musa recorded a second double-double. Bryce Thompson was good. Avery Anderson was electric. Uh, Tyreek Smith was good. I think he finished with eight. This was a massive confidence game. Uh, you probably weren't going to learn anything about this team uh, after the Oakland game, but you, you they learned that they can make shots. They they could do it in practice. You know, I've seen it, and Tom Dorado's talked about it. He's seen it several times. This is a good three-point shooting team, and they make a lot of free throws in practice. They just it never translated to the court, and that's something we saw. You did it on the road. So I, I think that's I think that's the most important thing, and, and we're going to see it again this weekend. You know, the Baja Mars, Bahamas Championship, I think is what it's called. Uh, they got UC. I, I they, can't believe that Robert didn't pay for you to go cover that. Yeah, you know, he called me. He called me, and he said, do you want to go? And I said, Robert, we got – I, I need to I need to make a business decision here. You know, I, I think it would I think it'd probably be uh it'd be a little too expensive, I, I think, to send me to the Bahamas for five days. So well, I'm gonna, that's, so I'll turn it down. That's big time uh big time of you way to think of the company. Real company man, Zach Lancaster. I, I put it on my resume. I've already updated. 
but you've got you've got UCF, uh, and then you turn around and it's uh, DePaul or I don't know. Uh, do you know who the other? I've I've got it right here. I just can't remember. I can never remember. It's because and the only reason I remember DePaul is because that's where UNA transferred to after uh, SMU. SMU, yeah, uh, I did not know that. Santa Clara, there you go. Santa Clara. So it's uh, you're you, you got UCF Friday night, which is tonight. Uh, and so I don't know when you're gonna when people are gonna listen to this, but uh, it's eleven thirty on Friday morning, and Oklahoma State faces UCF at six o'clock. Uh, on Friday evening, if they win that game, they'll play Sunday. Well, they'll play Sunday no matter what. Uh, but you play if you mm-hmm. win tonight, you play the winner of DePaul Santa Clara, which will probably be DePaul. Uh, Santa Clara has lost some talent, and uh, so uh, Jalen Williams on the Thunder, Santa Clara guard. So uh, I, I would imagine it's probably DePaul. So it's, it's going to be this will be a, a big challenge for Oklahoma State. UCF's a big basketball team; they got a lot of size. Mike talked about that on Tuesday, so it'll be interesting. I'm certainly looking forward to it here, uh, Brian. Before we get out of here, any uh, any final thoughts one way or the other on uh, football or basketball or uh, anything real quick before we before we dip? Yeah, quick on. Uh, I'm, we still got to get Keon Williams going. Uh, he he yes. has a, he's played 25 minutes, but. Has only scored a couple of uh, bullet points uh, right now. Weston Church is averaging more than him. We gotta we gotta fix that. Um, but it's good to see Chris Harris out there. He's been he's been getting some minutes um, in each of the games, about ten minutes a game, and and um, you know playing playing pretty well. He's three for seven from three. So um, I think that as as you get some of those bench guys going, it only it obviously only helps the team. Um, Bedlam this weekend. I'm gonna predict. It's hard for me to predict OSU to win in Norman. I'm gonna say OU wins. Hate to say this. I'm gonna say OU wins 31-21. That's my prediction. I don't know what to. Predict. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Man. I don't. I don't know what to predict. I'm not gonna give one because Norman. Norman's a difference maker. You know, we say every year it doesn't matter if if a team is. Is uh, is undefeated, or if they're winless, Bedlam negates everything. And the fact that it's in Norman, um, I, I know that OU fans aren't happy with the Venable, uh, the Venables uh, coaching staff right now. I know they're all distraught and and not happy, and and they're not showing up, and they don't want to show up. But I wouldn't be shocked if it's over capacity on Saturday. And I, I think it'll. I think there will be quite a few OSU fans. I, I, tickets are relatively cheap. You can set pretty close to the field for like 150 bucks. So. I think OSU fans will take advantage, but it's still Norman. You know, it's still a tough place to play. So, um, like like I said earlier, I could see it being an incredibly high scoring shoot it out game. I could see it being a, a, I don't know if you could say defensive battle. I think it could just be you know just a, a slop fest. You know, it could be a knockdown drag out, real physical type of game, and like a seventeen fourteen. You know, in, in either direction. So uh, it's going to be one of those two. I, I can't predict a score just because I have no clue uh, exactly how this game's going to be. But uh, that's going to do it for the Pokesport podcast. Hard one to the over. Go ahead. You kind of cut out a little bit. Was this was this one? No, I know. Was this one a hard one to do the over unders for for the, um, for the website? I am fixing to type those up as we speak. Well, there you go. And it is tough. All right, well, I'm I've, interested to I'm see. Uh, really, I think I've done well at those at all this year. I'm really racking my brain to figure stuff out for this one. So uh, I don't. I don't. You know what? Give me one. You got. You have one, and I'll. I'll put it in there. 
Yeah, I don't know the exact number, but um, how about we go over under over under times that the sooner schooner tips over half. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. I'm gonna say I'll I'll take the under. Give me a half on that. Yeah, I'll take the. I'll probably take oh, the under. I well, think I think I think for, they fi- I think they figured the 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 gravity woes out there. I think physics will play in their favor. So that's gonna do it for the Poke Sport Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. You can check us out at uh, pokesreport.com. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on Pod uh, Podbean, and you can also look us up on RSS. I'd give our Twitter uh, handles, but I don't know how much longer Twitter is going to be open. So we just you check us out at pokesreport.com. Uh, but for Brian Murphy, I'm Zach Lancaster. We'll talk to you next time here on pokesreport.com.